Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Uh, we got a special episode today. Uh, we're going to go over the preview episode for the Indianapolis Colts. They're coming to town on a Monday night football. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we've got a good guest of the show, uh, Pete, here to come to talk Colts today. How you doing, Pete? Good, good, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad to be back. Had a great time last season coming on, talking about this matchup. And looking forward to doing it once again with y'all. Yeah, we're certainly excited to have you back. It should be an interesting game against the Ravens and the Colts, as it usually is. Last year's was a was a defensive struggle till the Ravens pulled ahead in the second half. I guess your first overall thoughts from what you've watched of the Colts this year and what you've seen from the Ravens offense. You think we're getting a similar game as last year, or do you think that the Ravens will have an easier time moving the ball against the defense? Um, you know, starting off the bat, I think we're most likely in the first half going to start seeing a similar defensive struggle. But um, with a lot of injuries on both ends of the ball this year, I think more so than we saw last season, I think by the second half we're going to start seeing points flying probably in the upper 20s, maybe low 30s, probably a little bit higher than people expect. Coming into the season, for at least on the cold side, I had a few questions. You know, when we had Philip Rivers versus Carson Wentz, the difference at quarterbacks this year, you would expect Rivers a more methodical quarterback you saw last season. And this year, you know, you're expecting more of a passing offense with Carson Wentz. He's been, um, you know, we haven't been running the ball particularly well for the first three weeks up to the Miami game last week. And so Carson Wentz has actually been, you know, carrying the load for the majority of the beginning part of the season. So overall, I kind of expect a slightly more defensive start to the game, and then you'll start seeing the offenses explode probably towards the latter half of the first half into the second half, where we'll probably see, you know, where the injuries and the lack of depth on both sides of for the Colts and the Ravens defense take into effect. Yep, the game's a uh, seven-point favorite for the Ravens, which is kind of surprising with the current lines in Vegas and an over-under of 47 points. So, uh, yeah, definitely Vegas thinks might be a little bit lower scoring than you're alluding to, Pete, but I can definitely see how the over could happen here. Let's talk about, like, the changes of the team coming into this season. Biggest change, obviously, was the addition of Wentz, but also uh, acquired Eric Fisher and Antoine Woods. Um, and of course, their number one pick, Quiddy Pay at 21 overall. That was a pick that we talked about going into this game as a possible pick for the Ravens. But then, of course, a lot of losses as well. Uh, Rivers, Anthony Costanzo, Anthony Walker, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Houston, Danico Autry, Malik Hooker, and uh, LaRaven Clark. So lots of changes there. Yeah, well... You know, did you always expect every offseason to see a, a whole bunch of changes, whether it's salary cap related, retirements, injuries, or just, you know, overall cap hits? I mean, heading into this year, obviously the number one um, question was going to be the quarterback. You know, we already had a feeling one, as soon as Frank Wright got there and all the rumblings once Jalen Hurts got drafted with Philadelphia, that you figured sooner or later there'll be a reunion with Carson Wentz. Going into the season, I had several questions. I was probably trying to get, you know, answered with the first four to six games of the season to see where we're at with that. One being, is Carson Wentz the right choice to succeed Philip Rivers? Should we have gone with Jacob Eason since we wasted a well, not wasted award since we used draft capital last offseason 
and then Sam Ellinger this offseason in the draft. So you've already spent two high draft picks drafting potential replacements. Another question was, will Frank Wright help Carson, you know, return his supposed MVP form that everyone loves to talk about in the media the one year that he had his, you know, his stellar numbers right before he got injured. And then Brady obviously winning MVP that year. Or in the end, is this just going to be another one of those years where we wasted a 2021 third rounder and most likely a 22 first round draft pick and trying to get Carson Wentz? So obviously that key addition, you know, was probably the biggest difference between the, both teams from last season's matchup and this season's matchup. And, you know, that's one of the big things that we'll look forward to seeing come to fruition in this game. And I think another one of the additions that you were talking about was Eric Fisher. At the end of last season, our longtime left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, you know, he's been manning our left side of our defense for the better part of a decade more now. And he did suffer through some injuries last season, so he wasn't as available in most of the games. But, you know, him and Quentin Nelson were a strong duo on that side. And, you know, the thought was, let's bring in Eric Fisher. He's coming off of a torn Achilles. You know, you can get him relatively cheaper now that, you know, Kansas City doesn't want him anymore or didn't feel the need to bring him back. We also signed Sam Levy, or Tevy, I believe it, his name is, um, to also fill the gap on the left side while Eric Fisher was recovering. Now, again, both, you'll notice, are with Sam. He's coming from the Chargers, and he was actually out early in the preseason in training camp with the torn ACL. So, unfortunately, that move didn't pan out. But Eric Fisher, the last three or four weeks, is starting to come on. You know, we're starting to see you know, some of his old form, not quite back to his old Pro Bowl-level form. You know, he's starting to get some of that explosiveness back. Now, that's another key move. And I think you had mentioned, Alec, the Quiddy Pay, probably the biggest offseason move on the defensive side. You know, guy out of Michigan. You know, he's got a good, good mentor in DeForest Buckner there. So hopefully this week we'll be able to see him, you know, see how he matches up against the struggling offensive line from the Ravens, depending on if that hammy can, uh, hold tough throughout the week as we're dealing with some nagging stuff as rookie season, but you know, something to look at, something to look forward to. You know, that's just a couple key additions to the offense and the defensive side. I mean, I think we had mentioned Phillip rivers. He retired. Costanzo retired. So those are two key cogs to our team from last season. And, you know, the Ravens fans know this. Well, they gained a nice, a nice defensive pass rusher and Justin Houston. He came on late for the Colts last year. And unfortunately, you know, didn't bring him back on another one-year contract. But, you know, it's one team's loss is another team's gain. And one other, I would say two other big losses for us were probably Anthony Walker. He was a nice uh, middle linebacker last year. He had started out the season and probably over the last two or three years, you know, main cog of the defense until Bobby Okariki outplayed him last year and ended up winning the starting job for the most of last season and into this year. So unfortunately we couldn't bring him back on a cheaper deal. So Cleveland, Cleveland brought him into their team this year. And then some guy that a lot of Ravens fans have probably never heard of, but a guy named Malik Hooker, 
he's a good safety out of Ohio State who, you know, unfortunately dealt with nagging injuries. He had torn his, I believe it was his Achilles last preseason. So now he's down in Dallas with the Cowboys. But those are some key key differences in the defenses between last and this current season. Yeah, there's lots to unpack there. Um, I know uh, at least for a couple of the names I, I think uh, we probably heard about on the show. I mean, Quiddy Pay, I know, was one guy who I was really excited about in the draft, um, although we thought that there, there was no way that the Ravens were able to get him, which turned out to be true. Owe was was definitely on our, I think, B tier of, of players to look at. In fact, I don't even think we talked about him much during the draft preview, but um, we're certainly happy with his play now. So, uh, you know, you guys can keep paid. That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of Colts fans were a little surprised that pay fell to us in the draft. We were expecting him to go you know, two or three spots ahead of us, and we were actually looking to get another offensive line, you know, a long-term replacement for Costanzo. But, mm-hmm. you know, defense has always been one of our struggles. You guys lucked out and get it. Well, not really lucked out. You guys were lucky enough and fortunate enough to get away. And you know, we're hoping we're hoping we find a diamond in the rough like you all. We certainly love OA here in Baltimore, as was prophesized in Week One by ESPN's uh, broadcast crew. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say this episode's about the Colts, so uh, we won't, you know, love all over OA. Maybe we'll talk about them as a key matchup later on, but uh, we'll get back to the Colts. I think. Looking at how their offense can line up against our defense, obviously Wentz has been in the news a lot lately, not just because of his injuries, but also his play. He had two bum ankles at one point. It was concerned that he might miss a lot of the season and then turned out to be uh, not as bad of an injury as was first reported. How's everything looking with the offense so far this year? I guess it's mostly a work in progress. Carson Wentz is another one of those quarterbacks who I kind of compare to a quarterback like Jay Cutler. You may think, what does Jay Cutler have to do with this? But both have all the talent in the world, both injured prone, both underperformed massively. I mean, unfortunately, Carson's been stuck or struck with a ton of injuries over his career. And what made the hope of pairing him with Frank Reich help with those injuries? You know, they're still nagging. And apparently all of a sudden, you know, we have – a broken foot or a foot injury that's been around since his high school days. It's very mysterious, but um, the injuries I think have been what, what has caused the offensive struggle early on in the season. You know, he missed a lot of time in the training camp and preseason, whether it was dealing with COVID and now with the bumped ankles, he's missed a lot of practice days throughout you know the early part of the season. So, you know, when you're starting off with a new team, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really help mesh with young wide receivers who have never, you know, played with Carson. A lot of, you know, over the first three or four games, I've seen a lot of missed throws, a lot of, you know, easy slant, short passes. With that timing, with those extra reps in practice, they would be there. Instead, they were being th- uh, used with Sam Ellinger as well as Eason and now with Hunley. A lot of those snaps and a lot of those key reps early on they weren't there. The Miami game, which is the fourth game of the season, finally started to see the offense moving, finally started to see some connections. Uh, Michael Pittman's finally starting to be seen, you know, finally starting to get some flashes of some targets here or there. T.Y. being out also, that's another key, you know, duo, a veteran matchup because, 
if you look at the Colts roster so far this year, most of it is young, young on the offensive side. So, you know, you need some veteran help to work with a guy who hasn't been around in the locker room on the practice field. I expect, you know, at least the run game to be a little bit better. The good part is the Ravens secondary has been a little bit banged up with injuries. So I do see what was translated from the Miami game to come over into and uh, to be used in full effect here in this week and with this week five matchup. I guess uh, to continue, when I look at the beginning of the part of the season, you know, with Carson Wentz and him adapting, you saw this past week, Mo Alley Cox was a tight end. And, you know, when he was in Carson, when he was in Philadelphia, he was constantly using Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, the dinks and dunks that Brady was known for in New England. He, he kind of used a similar system in Philly. So, you know, heading into the year and actually with the last two weeks specifically, you're starting to see the Jack Doyles of the world, the Mo Alley Coxes, Naheem Hine, he started off pretty strong. But now we're starting to, you know, we're starting to see more targets go elsewhere, you know, starting to spread the ball more around, starting to see, you know, benefit of, well, I guess, a little bit of that offense that, you know, they used in Philly. I will say I'm slightly disappointed that Nick Boyle will not be suiting up for this game. As is noted, <laughs> Alec can sometimes mistaken Boyle for Doyle and vice versa. So in our recap episode, we might be getting some talks about Jack Boyle and Nick Doyle, but... um Unfortunately, that will not be in this year's <laughs> show. <laughs> Savage, Peter. There has been times in fancy drafts I've actually drafted Nick instead of Jack because I couldn't get the name correct. <laughs> wow. I, I feel redeemed now. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so, Easy mistake so, so. to make, guys. Yeah, I think the tight end battle is going to be interesting as we've talked for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're looking at our middle linebackers to step up here with uh, – both Malik Harrison and uh, Patrick Queen need to up their game uh, in a variety of ways. So they'll have a decent challenge. Mo Ali Cox was last year's uh, brief flash in the pan. Uh, maybe he'll uh, have some success. And then Doyle, you know, consistent guy. He, he's been around the league for a while, and you kind of know what he is. Second year, sophomore campaign for Jonathan Taylor. And Naheem Hines, uh, everyone knows that the Colts love Naheem Hines. They gave him that contract extension. He's been very involved in the offense. We know that the Ravens could. I could see the way that you know Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines really tear up the Ravens. We've been having a little bit of struggles on stopping the run or really securing the tackle. And Jonathan Taylor with his uh, big body and speed, you know, if he gets going, you could see a repeat of the uh, Javante Williams run where <laughs> you had uh, Marlon Humphrey on for a ride, and then of course Naheem Hines out of the backfield, uh, a really explosive uh, catcher there. Again, you know, you let one guy miss there, he's going to go for another 10, 15 yards for sure before the next guy can lay a hit on him. How do you see those guys matching up? That's actually one of the most frustrating things early in the season. Week one for the Colts uh, against Seattle, Hines was used heavily in the pass offense in that first week. He had at least one or two touchdowns in that first week. In the last the last three, you, you've barely seen, you barely seen him get any touches. And I do expect that to change. This week is, you know, when you've seen the Kansas City game for the Ravens as well as this past week, the running backs were heavily involved and to even include the tight ends there. But one of the staples of a simple game to get Carson, you know, just get a quarterback back in the rhythm is those short passes. Naheem is a very versatile running back, and he's actually slotted pretty much into that secondary running back role. Overtook Marlon Mack, you know, 
coming off of his Achilles injury himself. So he's, you know, he's seen more reps, but you haven't seen more touches early part. I do expect that to change. I kind of actually expect him to get these five or six catches probably around, you know, 65 to 70 yards, just solely based off of simple bubble screens, simple dicks and dunks on the third and short, second and shorts, et cetera. And especially near the goal line where the Colts have struggled to hit the red zone all season. And Alec, to go off of your point about Taylor, the one thing I do see in order for him to be effective, which I think Frank kind of struggles with when it comes to his play calling, if he doesn't get him going in the first half, he kind of abandons the run, not by any fault to Taylor. It's just, he kind of just goes away from, goes away from going using what's right or doing what's been working. You know, if you're not feeding a running back, like we see with other teams, his numbers won't be there. His effectiveness won't be there. The play action in the end will not be there. Then the usage of Naheem Hines won't be there and other players. A lot of times you'll see in the first half or like the first three quarters, if he has some good runs, Um, not just this year, even the past years, especially last year for Taylor, by the fourth quarter, it's, it's all past. He'll, he'll stop calling Taylor's number for whatever reason. Fans constantly are screaming at their TVs. I see the comments on social media. It's mind-boggling sometimes. But I think this season, as he's starting to establish himself more, he's, you know, his last game he actually had, I think it was like 105 rushing yards. They do see, you know, you know it is effective when they're constantly being used. So I do kind of hope that translates. I'm not sure, you know, knowing that the Ravens' pass defense is a little bit more struggling right now than their run defense. So it might be a little bit harder to get them going. But, you know, it's all about balance in an offense that relies heavily on play action and getting everyone involved. I do see a little bit of struggles for Jonathan Taylor, but hopefully, you know, they don't just abandon it and just because it doesn't work. Every yard or every half inch does matter in the long run to wear out the big men the Ravens bring to you. Yeah, I agree. It's certainly going to be a very interesting matchup to look at. Uh, The Ravens have already played some teams this year that run some pretty effective two tailback packages. Uh, Obviously, Oakland, excuse me, not Oakland, Vegas with Jacobs and Drake in week one. And uh, Swift and Williams got some good yardage late. Um, Mr. Lyons continued to pound the ball and not abandon the run game in that game. Yeah, I think the, the Ravens, if they're going to want to stop Taylor and Hines and, and force the Colts out of play-action passing, I think they just got to look and, and run the same game plan that they did this this past week against Denver, where aside from that run where Williams carried the entire Ravens' defense for 20 yards, they really didn't have any big plays uh, either of those backs. So not saying that it's going to be the exact same story with the Colts, but I think that the Ravens will be good to use that strategy that they employ there as a starting point. To kind of go off of that, what was effective with the running game, which um, hadn't been there early in the season, because I think we had mentioned the key injuries with Eric Fisher coming off of his Achilles. And now with Quentin Nelson, he's on a short-term IR. So he's, you know, that left side is kind of banged up. And, you know, Ryan Kelly, our center, he's notoriously injured as well as on our right side, Braden Smith, another key cog to our offensive line. So last few years, that line has been one of the best young lines in the league. And this year, they're pretty banged up. So it's kind of been a mishmash of 
players here and there. But one key thing to look at last week, at least against them, Miami, the left side, you know, Fisher and Nelson's replacement. They actually ran the ball pretty effectively on that side. I believe seven or eight of the rushes that Taylor had was to that side. And he had, I believe, 70 or 65 to 70 yards rushing on that side alone where everywhere else they were struggling. And so I wouldn't, you know, discount a potential Taylor breakout game against the Ravens, even though I do think it's highly, highly unlikely. But again, with the mishmash of line, I do see that kind of being a struggle. There was signs for improvement, you know, as you know, the season's starting to, you know, get into kicking out of gear here. One other thing I thought would be interesting to kind of bring up, I'm curious to uh, see Alec and Peter, if you guys have any thoughts on this, but if we're going back to Naheem Hines a little bit, I actually, I feel like this would be an interesting matchup, particularly for Queen. You know, I know we've we've talked about him and his struggles a little bit, you know, continuing to kind of be indecisive and, and not so good on run defense, but I feel like if, if the Colts want to use Hines in this sort of role and the pass catcher out of the backfield kind of thing, we saw Queen have a lot of success in the preseason, at least sniffing out some screens. And I feel like if you put him man to man against Hines, like he'd be able to actually, you know, chase him down. Like he has the speed to do that. If it's in, you know, these obvious passing situations where it's like, okay, you know, this is the guy you need to cover. You know, I, I think he could be pretty good at that if, if the Ravens want to put those in those situations. I don't Do you guys have uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think right now Queen has better success right now covering the running backs than the tight end. Um, we did forget to mention in the recap in the first quarter, there was uh, at one point Queen was beat pretty bad by the Broncos backup tight end, but Bridgewater overthrew the ball, so it was for nil. But yeah, I, I think that if we want to talk about what Queen's strengths are right now, his clothesline speed and going up against a, a, a type of player that's a little bit better of a matchup right now for his his body type and where his strength is right now he's a great matchup against a guy like Hines this is, that's where you want to employ Queen on the Ravens defense right now so yeah I do think if, if the Colts want to utilize Hines in that fashion Queen will be getting a lot of work and and should be pretty successful in that situation yeah big game for Queen ahead uh, this is the matchup I would try to exploit if I were the Colts because I don't think they're going to have that much success against our secondary, which is kind of what I want to transition to with the wide receivers. Another guy who said no to the Ravens, T.Y. Hilton. He's on the injury report and may not play in this game. You know, T.Y., uh, <laughs> I enjoy all the memes that are coming out about uh, Juju and uh, his experience in Pittsburgh this year. I hope he's having a great time. Seems like he's really enjoying himself. Um <laughs> And not enjoying winning, like oh, uh, what good wide buddy, receiver wouldn't? Sammy Watkins, yeah, you know, gotta, gotta get those stats, man. Although I don't <laughs> think he has better stats than Watkins at this point. Um, anyways, <laughs> Kenny G, who? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh goodness, what a loser. Anyways, he doesn't have the right mindset for the Ravens, so it's all good. But yeah, I mean, looking at this uh, wide receiver core, you have Michael Pittman, who is. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, uh, one of their picks to have a breakout sophomore season. And we're definitely seeing the target share there. Uh, the numbers aren't completely exploding, but curious to hear your thoughts on him. And of course, um, we have Paris Campbell coming back from injury uh, from last year's devastating season-long injury. So hopefully he can start getting involved. I know that's a prospect that Pete has enjoyed for a long time. He was an Ohio State guy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Good yep. old Buckeyes. Yeah, and uh, and also, of course, Pascal, who's just one of those guys who seems to always be around, steady contributor. How do you think these wide receivers are going to be able to match up against the likes of Humphrey, Averett, Clark, and maybe Elliott or, or Stevens? Overall, I think the separation might be a little bit of a struggle because you kind of see Pascal is that possession guy of the group, and he seems to be the only guy who's been bringing in the most catches and most yards. He seems to be the go-to guy for Carson. I do see that his his goal line is him, you know, him at the goal line is where I think it's going to be the most use for Pascal himself. I don't see him outperforming Humphrey. Humphrey to me is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And, you know, you're not just going to beat him straight up man to man. Pittman, he's a young guy. He's very young. He's very inexperienced at this level. You know, he missed several weeks last season with an unfortunate injury. I think that, you know, unfortunately has become a theme for the Colts the last couple of years. Injuries to young guys who, you know, in turn don't get those reps on an NFL stage. But, you know, Pittman is starting starting to get some experience here and there. I don't necessarily think that he might have a standout game. I do think that the 10 to 15 yards down the field is likely where he'll he'll succeed. If you just watch the Ravens like this year, their defense has been struggling in those those quick slants, those the middle of the field, you know, chasing guys across the field. So that's where I think Pittman and Paris Campbell of guy of all guys can use their speed to get around some of the um you know the, just the straight man to man and down the field kind of plays that you know don't usually work against them. And when you watch the Kansas City game and you watch uh, the Denver game, you see um you see guys getting what getting open pretty much on like a Travis Kelsey and Noah Fant. They're constantly getting easy targets, easy catches. So I think. The slow, methodical approach is the only way to go against this Baltimore secondary. You know, just because they have injuries to Peters and other guys, and even if Jimmy Smith isn't the most, you know, the youngest guy on the defense anymore, he's still he's still quality. He could he still covers with the best of them. You're not going to beat them by trying to make the big play here or there. That's not even the Colts. That's not even the, our style of play. We're not a big play offense. We're very methodical. So if that. That, to me, is where you're going to beat the Ravens. You're going to have to find those 5 to 10 and then try to get a 10 to 15-yard pass here or there. The one thing with, you know, when you mentioned Paris Campbell, the the Ohio State guy, you know, as someone who's a huge fan of the Buckeyes, the one thing I wished I saw more out of Campbell is the slants, the bubble screens, because that's where he was effective in college. He's such a fast guy. He can be like a Marquise Brown. That's one thing that I wish – and I was hoping when we drafted him, you would see more of, you know, with T.Y. being the speed guy for years, he's old, he's injured and banged up. That's where Paris Campbell should slot in. It's a wait and see for him. But again, I think, you know, the matchups may not be there, but again, it's the it's the methodical approach that, that will have the best chance of, you know, exploiting the Ravens defense this week. You know, I realized the one guy you mentioned we didn't even bring up last week, even though that was his first uh, game action. But Jimmy Smith, certainly I thought, you know, looked good, I think, in this first matchup. I mean, uh, certainly I think he was doing good on a handful of plays. Uh, There was one penalty from him, which kind of unfortunately extended the drive. That wasn't great. But I certainly think he's going to 
uh, have an impact, you know, maybe not even recovering the receivers, but probably playing a few snaps at safety, uh, potentially covering a guy like uh, like Doyle or, or Mo Ali Cox for a few snaps, uh, particularly on third down plays. That's kind of like where the Ravens like to uh, to put him in the put him in the game. But yeah, he could certainly be another force uh, for the Ravens this week. You know, it's just that experience that he brings. All the guys in the back end for the Ravens, they have experience. Humphreys, Smith, all of them. Um, that's the one thing that, you know, when you have a young wide receiving core with Pittman, Campbell, even Pascal to an extent, he's still relatively young. We don't have that veteran wide receiver out there that could, like a Hopkins, like a number, a true number one receiver that can go out there and exploit veteran cornerbacks. So that's why I think the matchups will be a little bit, you know, more difficult for us. That's why you kind of have to use the big guys like the Mo Alley Coxes and, you know, try to find those seams in the middle of the field to get, you know, you know to move the ball down the field. Yeah, Mo Alley Cox is really interesting in this game for the same reason that we said Queen is a is an asset against anything that the that the Colts want to do with Hines in in the passing game. Uh, he's a bit of a liability when it comes to um, covering the tight end. I mean, Cox, he he's not the, the athlete that uh, a Kelsey or a Waller is, but he's a big guy. Was he 6'5", 260, I believe, and just scored two touchdowns against the Dolphins. He's not one of the better tight ends in the league, but he's certainly a guy that could give the Ravens linebackers difficulty. I, I could see him having, for him, you know, having a game where his receiving numbers are in the top 10% of what his what his outcomes generally are for his career. And one thing I would take note with Mo is you did see him in the red zone this week, not with just the, like a long touchdown, but the early part of the season, at least for the first three games, the Colts had were like tops in the league, maybe not number one, but they were very high in the league and getting into the red zone. But they were at the bottom of the league and actually capitalizing and getting a score out of it. You know, with Frank Wright's aggressive play calling and always wanting to go for it, fourth and goal, whether it's two or three or four yards, weren't capitalizing early in the season. And finally, this week, they finally broke through and actually utilized the size that we have with Mo. And that's one thing that I would love to see. I think that's one thing I actually said last year when the Ravens had used with Mark Andrews. You know, a guy with size is always, always beneficial in the red zone. And that's what I kind of see, not comparing athlete to athlete, not even close to the same, but got to take advantage of the matchups. And he's the only true guy with big size, and his hands are pretty good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring, looking forward to seeing if he can you know, capitalize on the momentum that he had built last week. I think it's a good opportunity now to transition to the Colts defense. We talked in the last episode that uh, the Ravens were dared to pass the ball by the Denver Broncos. The Broncos tried really hard to keep him under 100 yards, failed. <laughs> and uh, they also failed to keep uh, Lamar Jackson in check when it came to passing the ball, over 300 yards passing. What do you expect the Colts to try to do in this Monday night matchup uh, against the Ravens? How do you think their defense lines up against our offense? Again, with nagging injuries, but they're starting to come into form. The one thing that the Colts do play since Reich's gotten here is our 4-3 zone defense. We've always been like a 4-3. We had a couple years there we went to a 3-4 defense. But mostly Frank and Matt Eberflus have gone to, I would say, probably 90 to 95% zone. They're 
constantly preaching to not give up the deep ball. They always want, you know, the players rallying to the ball and the players in front of them. So that's the one thing you've seen the last two or three years since Ibrafusa got there. The last couple of years now, you've also started to see a more of a 4-2-5 and a bear-type defense. The one thing I would be concerned about for the Colts' defense this year, if you look at specifically against um, the in the Rams game, as well as some of our other matchups this year, uh, week one against Seattle, when if you've noticed Darius Leonard or even uh, Bobby Okariki, at one point or another, they're going to consistently, um, if they start walking up towards the, the line and they're starting to you know, f- show that they're going to blitz, that's where we've been exploited the most. We've had a lot of blunders when it comes to um, missed zone blitzes. And then in the back end, our young free safety, Julian Blackman's also been getting uh, beat in coverage on our, when we're trying to show a four-two-five defense, you know, we're starting to get, we're starting to allow um, big plays down the field, something that we haven't seen la- early last season and even late last season. But this year, the middle of the field is getting destroyed by Tyler Lockett in week one, as well as Cooper Cup in week two. Combined, they had over almost 300 receiving yards and four touchdowns combined. It doesn't look like the deep ball has been taken out of, out of effect for the Colts defense this year. There's just been a lot of inexperience with young guys who are starting to, you know, just starting to see what it's like to play in the NFL. And that's where I think Marquise Brown actually has a real good shot of continuing his hot streak. I do see him, you know, seven, eight catches actually this week, probably for around a buck 50 or excuse me, a buck 35, only because of how much they've been torched in the deep ball this year. And he's got the speed to burst through that defensive backfield in the end i do think that the, some key matchups to look look for is probably darius leonard and i would say um kamoko Ture. after our week three loss Trey, um for our defensive end he actually got the players together and with the force buckner and we had players only meeting and last week it paid off with Ture breaking through you know, with two sacks, two quarterback hits, forced fumble, et cetera. So I do see some of our pass rush starting to get there. So I would think that's a good it's a good thing to look out for for the Ravens offense. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying about Hollywood, when you were describing what the defensive scheme is for the Colts currently, I was just thinking, yeah, before you even said it, that just sounds like a prime matchup for the Ravens to exploit there with Hollywood. Yeah, I think that we could see a big game from him and – I think very interesting what you're saying about that. There's a lot of new pieces there and a lot of guys still learning the positions. Um, I think that's something else that the Ravens are going to exploit with their more experienced guys like, like Watkins and, and Andrews have really been able to, to find some seams against uh, lesser competition. So yeah, I think overall this is looking like it could be another big passing game for the Ravens. I think it was my sound a little bit jumbled. Like when I was trying to, discuss the the secondary for the Colts. That's the one thing I've only been, uh, that's the probably the major concern I have at the defense. You know, we've held a lot of a lot of injuries again. I know that's, I keep bringing that up, but uh, TJ Carey, a nice corner for us. He's, you know, he's been hurt for most of the season. Kari Willis, he's 
you know, been battling a Goran injury the last two weeks. It doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Uh, Rocky seen another young defensive secondary player for us. He he's been dealing with an ankle. Yeah, this is just three guys right there, and not to mention pay that we already talked about earlier. That's four guys on the defense alone, all young. So you're kind of trying to fill the void with second, third, fourth string guys alone. And if guys are either out of position or guys don't have the reps in game, you're kind of learning on the fly. And unfortunately, that's been the case. But that's the one thing with uh, Ballard, since he took over the Colts, he's been he's been focused on getting in depth, getting more guys into the locker room. But again, in, in the end, you can't beat top talent, you know. There's a reason why guys are number ones on teams. And Marquise Brown will find ways to take advantage of it. And he's shown this year he's stepped up in a big way. He's outperformed probably a lot of people's expectations coming in. And, again, I kind of see that coming uh, again this week. He had three drops a couple weeks ago. Last week he destroyed uh, two deep safeties, to had an easy touchdown. And, in all honesty, I could see that again this week. Tyler Lockett had a 75-yard touchdown easily in week one. It definitely wasn't fixed week two for the Colts secondary because Cooper Cup tore him to shreds. So, I mean, mm. for all the improvements we made in week four against the Dolphins, it's one week. But that's a matchup I would think Marquise Brown should take advantage of, and I would definitely be on high alert there for it. Yeah, it certainly sounds like the Ravens uh, should be uh, favorites at home. Um, that's another actually key thing we didn't even talk about on the Ravens side. I mean, this is the first of five home games, I think, in a row. So yeah, I mean, I think the bank's gonna be rocking. Oh God, was it the last home game? Last home game was the uh, the Kansas City game as well. So I think uh, Ravens fans are gonna yeah. be excited. Um, they're gonna be excited to to have more football back at the bank and, and gonna be uh, gonna be a great crowd for sure. Yeah, man. Vocal cords getting prepared. Monday Night Football got put on a show for uh, the nationwide spectators i'm definitely optimistic that Reigns fans can show what's up and rattle the uh wentz-led offense when they're on the field and support the lamar-led offense uh but keep it quiet so they can you know call their reads etc <laughs> yeah i think this is i think it's a tough matchup uh for the colts defense it sounds like they lost a lot of pieces and didn't gain enough to really make them more of a threat i say it'd be enough experience now they gain quality guys but it's you know, getting the experience for them is how I would put it. Yeah. I, I think one thing the Colts have going for them is, like you mentioned at the top, they play a lot of zone as a their standard package. And we know Lamar Jackson faces almost exclusively zone because their teams are afraid to go man-to-man and turn their back to him. So I guess it's one good point for them is that they're used to playing that kind of defense that uh, is frequently used against Lamar. Yeah, I mean, they'll tend to... I, tend to think that they'll be mostly in a 4-2-5 kind of defense against when the Ravens are in 11 personnel or when they're ever, you know, trying to have and those option runs that they're always notorious for. So I do think that Lamar did struggle a little bit last season against the Colts when it came to his running ability, but sooner or later they're going to focus on – they got to focus on one part, take away with something from Lamar. You can't have 300 and 300. I think I'd rather take my chances with him beating us through the past than him trying to run it down our throats all night. Do I go into our bold predictions and score predictions? I think so. Pete, what do you think going into this game? 
Um, I actually think uh, it's going to be closer than I've probably made it sound all episode, but I think I'm probably leaning towards a 28 to 23 victory for the Ravens. I do think that the Colts will, you know, be in the hunt for probably up the through the third quarter and then a probably a late turnover by Carson Wentz unfortunately is going to be um sealing the fate for us yet again this year similar to how that turnover by Philip Rivers did it last year. I do see Lamar now coming away with probably 289 passing yards and three touchdown passes this week. I know he's got four on the season, but he's going to he's going to dial up the numbers this week. If you want to, if you want to throw a Colts prediction in there, uh, I guess a stat wise, I'm going to go Carson Wentz will get sacked uh three times this game. He's actually only been sacked 10 times this year. So, he'll get sacked three times and probably throw for 250. Initially, I was going to make my bold prediction that the Ravens were going to get four sacks on Wentz. But I think given what you just said, I'll I'll pivot. I'll say my bold prediction is actually going to be that Lamar gets his third 300-yard passing game uh, for two consecutive weeks with 300 passing. like that one. What have you got for the score, Alec? Score prediction. The Ravens put on a show. They win 33-17. to 17, And they cover. Unlike Pete suggested. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so, there's always hope. <laughs> always. Well, you know, no, no. I mean, it, it, no, I'm not like sugaring your thing. I'm just saying, uh, and they cover. <laughs> we, we like when the Ravens cover. I think that the Ravens are going to go and this one's going to be a 30 to 13 victory for the Ravens. Don't see Wentz being able to do too much against the Ravens. Uh, if Teddy B wasn't able to, I kind of view them at this point in their career quarterbacks with different attributes, but basically on the same level. For bold prediction, I'm going to say that the Ravens uh, go for a hat trick on defense against Wentz. They will sack him, intercept him, and force a strip fumble. Oh, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> Abused. <laughs> I was a little too scared to admit that one. I'm a little worried about that. I can see that happening. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'll wrap this one up then. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement here. I like the Ravens at home. I like the matchup. I think uh, I, I think this will this will be a game that the Ravens can definitely lean on uh, to to not be a nail biter like some of the last games have been. They've come out with some confidence in the last couple of games, and and again, just playing at home, I think it's going to be a big deal. So um, I'll go um, I'll go 35 21 Ravens. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go 35. I'll go 35-20 Ravens. I don't even think it's going to be three touchdowns. I think it might be two and a couple of field goals. Uh, remember, Rodrigo Blankenship is over there too, so he's a, he's a pretty good kicker. Not not Tucker, but uh, he's pretty cool. Glasses, man. Glasses, boy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard to sit down and do this, but this little patented. <laughs> <laughs> as far as bold prediction, I'm going to say that Hollywood Brown has – 150 yards receiving and at least a touchdown bro i was actually i had that one in my back pocket too i had three bold predictions yeah. bold prediction number one ravens four sacks bold prediction number two <laughs> lamar jackson 300 yards and then last but not least uh the marquise brown 150 yards and a touchdown i i find it hilarious That's, i i was thinking all those things going into it those are the ones i had prepared yeah i i, tr- I tried to uh 
drop all all of those numbers in throughout the throughout the night to you know to make it look like I uh, you know predict all your guys' outcomes. <laughs> Pete, huge pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, joining us again and giving us the lowdown on this Colts team. Uh, definitely a game that I think a lot of people will be looking forward to going into Monday night. Yeah, thank you again, guys, for having me. It's always a blast to hang out with you guys on Ravens Recap. Looking forward to another Week 5 matchup where I'm going to be shouting at the top of my lungs, slamming my fist on the couch, and praying, why why did August 24th of 2019 happen where we lost Andrew Luck? (laughs) (laughs) On that note, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ravens Recap. You can find us online ravens underscore recap on twitter feedback at ravensrecap.com let us know what you think is going to happen in this game what your score prediction is and your bold prediction feel free to message us on twitter or send us a note in our email inbox we'll be back next week to recap the game and until then go ravens and if you're going to the game make some noise <laughs> <laughs>